mama, welcome. Pull up a seat and join me in one of the most difficult conversations that we can possibly have. The loss of our children. United in this very uncomfortable motherhood as we come to understand what it means for our children to be swaddled in the stars when we want so badly for them to be in our arms. We're going to chat about grief, about joy, and about chasing rainbows, and I am honored to walk by your side. Hey, Jessica, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Hey, Jennifer, thank you for having me. I'm doing pretty well today. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, I was trying to think before we jumped on where I came across you, right? I think I find a lot of mamas through the different um, Facebook groups out there, but I was just really inspired um, by your little one and some of the things that you have going on to honor him. Uh, We're going to talk more about that in part two, the, the actual things that you do to honor your son. But can you tell us a little bit about who you are and um, kind of lead into your son's journey a little bit? Absolutely. Um, so I am, um, I'm 32 years old. I am a school psychologist by trade. Okay. Um, and I started doing that. Sorry, I've got a issue on my end. I've got to open my door a little bit so this cat doesn't break it down. Um, I, uh, I met my husband in, uh, 2016. We got married in 2019 and, um, we originally decided we were going to start trying for a baby um, in 2020 after my 30th birthday. Okay. Well, I turned 30 and the next week the world shut down. Oh, sure. So, okay. um, so we kind of held off until I was able to, um, to get a vaccine um, and feel more comfortable moving forward. We, um, we live in Texas, we love, um, karaoke we love um just being really friendly very out there um I'm very open I've always been very very forward with my story and my life um we got pregnant right away um May of of 2021 and um we suffered an early loss um and before we even had a cycle I was pregnant again with our son Micah um and it was very exciting um most of the pregnancy was pretty easy. Um, he was always a really active baby, moved a bunch, always had a really good heartbeat. Um, like just, just a really active little boy. Um, we were really excited because he was going to be the first boy um, that would have my husband's last name in the family. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the only other, only other uh, baby with my last name is a little girl. Okay. Uh, my uh, husband's brother's child. Um, he was also going to be the first grandchild on my, my end with my family. Cause I'm the only partnered sibling right now. Both my brothers are still looking. <laughs> and, uh, so we, we got really excited. Um, we made it past the 12 week mark. That was super thrilling. We announced on Halloween, um, we got past the 20 week mark and they confirmed that the baby looked good. He had all of his brain. He had all of his organs, um, which was really important to me. My mom was born with a malformed organ. My brother has um, partial agenesis of the corpus callosum, which is a neural tube defect. Okay. 
And so I wanted to make sure all of those things looked good. Um, we did the nip tea and found out he was a boy, um, like really early on, like 13 weeks. Um, we knew he had no trisomies. So we really felt really confident moving forward. Um, at about 16 weeks, I started advocating for myself because my mother and brother both have type two diabetes. I said, look, I'm high risk for gestational. I need to get tested and I need to get on this as soon as possible. And my doctor tested me and I popped just on the line for gestational diabetes and we started treatment right away. Um, I used insulin, um, I changed my diet, I exercised. So my pregnancy was not like one of those ones where you eat everything you wanna eat or um, just you know rest all the time. I walked at least 30 minutes every day. I ate a low carb or lower carb, uh, high protein diet, um, but we still saw that he was getting really big. My son was in the 98th percentile for the majority of my pregnancy. Oh, wow. Okay. So um, when he was growing, born, he was growing healthy and strong. It was appearing. Yeah, he was, he was big. Um, he was growing really well. Um, when he was born, he actually weighed 10 pounds, five ounces. Um, but we, uh, we decided me and my doctor, we decided that, um, the, the smart thing to do would be to have him, um, two weeks early at 38 weeks, just okay. because I'm only five foot two and <laughs> I'm having a giant baby. I'm sure. My husband's sure. six foot six though. So some of it is just genetic. Sure. Um, sure. I married a giant. Um, <laughs> but we, uh, we decided to um, have him two weeks early the week before we went in for the scan. We did an NST and a BBT just because of my diabetic status. We, we did those pretty regularly and he passed, he looked great. Um, I went home, we started getting ready. We knew that we were going to be induced on April 19th. And um, I just started you know, gearing up for that, getting things in order at work. Um, April 19th of which year? This 2022, year? Oh, this okay, year. Wow. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, this just happened um, three months ago. Okay, I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, but yeah, so we uh, we started gearing up. We started packing up. Um, we got his room completely ready. Um, and then um, on Easter, I was at dinner with my family, and I noticed his movement had changed. Um, it f went from being like kind of like kicks and, and punches kind of feelings to more like pushing. Okay. Um, I called my doctor and she said, well, you're really little. He's really big. He might just be running out of room. Relax. As long as you're feeling movement, you're okay. okay. And I went, well, I still feel movement. So I'm okay. Yeah. Um, I never went into labor. I went to work. I did what I needed to do. I waited till it was time for my induction. I came into the hospital and, um, Initially, they hooked me up and they said they found his heartbeat. Everything was looking good. Oh, wow. And then they found out that it wasn't his heartbeat. It was mine. Mm -hmm. um, they did an ultrasound and his heart had stopped. They, um, they think it probably stopped on Easter when the movement changed. Um, and so um, I was given the option to be induced or to have a C-section. And my doctor stressed that the Induction probably wouldn't be successful. I'd probably be in the hospital for like three days trying and that we would wind up having a C-section anyway. So we just, we just cut straight to having it. Yeah. I wanted to have my baby and, and just kind of move forward. Yeah, absolutely. So we, uh, 
We delivered him on April 20th of 2022. He was 10 pounds, five ounces long. He was um, 22 and a half inches long. Wow. He was a big boy. boy. He was a big boy. Um, everybody involved was completely blindsided. Nobody saw him not coming home. And so it was, um, it was really hard. Um, I was really lost for a little bit. I I didn't really know kind of what to do. My go-tos, um, to feel better are exercise and diet. And I was told I wasn't allowed to do either of those things. My doctor said, you need to rest. You had surgery. You can't exercise. Sure. Okay. And you can't really diet right now. Like you need to eat healthy, but don't like diet. And so um, I started trying to find something to kind of kind of deal and cope. Um, yeah. I talked to a lot of people. Um, my son was kind of like a, a little celebrity already at school because um, I, I work in a middle school. So I all of my kids knew about him, all of my coworkers, um, everybody was so excited. Sure. Um, so I, after he was born, I shared that he'd passed and um, immediately there was a meal train. There was, um, there were calls and support. I learned that um, stillbirth really is more common than you think it is. Um, one in 160 births ended the way mine did. And wow only a third of them ever have a known cause. Um, And while my doctor attributed my son's death to my gestational diabetes, to him being so big, to me battling with blood sugar. Even with all the like care that you did though, because you said you caught it pretty soon, right? Even though I caught it early, even though I treated it well, even though my blood sugar numbers were normal when I went into labor or went into to be induced. we still, it was still attributed cause of death, gestational diabetes, um, but we'll never know for sure what it was. We just know that one moment he was here and the next he was gone. Sure. And it happened really fast. Um, and the one takeaway my doctor had from it all was that she didn't want to wait this long next time. So that when I get pregnant again, we're having the baby um, between 36 and 37 weeks because he was totally fine then and he was nine pounds then oh my god so he'll you know the next one if they're big like he is will probably survive just fine um and that's kind of what we're trying to look forward to um now that now that we're three months out from our loss we're allowed to start trying to conceive again so yeah oh good I'm so I'm so glad because I know I know a lot of people of course are going to process and grieve and everything completely different and just the strength to be able to move forward with hope um seems like you faced half the battle already and I I think that's very um it's empowering to you I I know some women can get lost I'm sure some mama's listening right now like that's not their experience um we had an early miscarriage but that was our experience um that we wanted to try as soon as we could again, and it took us a little while. Um, I know you mentioned your first um, loss, you had an early miscarriage as well. Um, did that did that affect you in the same way or not the same? Yeah, maybe the same way. It's, it's so 
it's so interesting um because I know some people are very much like stillbirth and miscarriage are different and you know some people when they're grieving like to grieve with like like situational people um how do you find the balance of your two children in all of that well I am one of those people who feels stillbirth and miscarriage early miscarriage are very different yeah sure um when I had my, when I experienced my early miscarriage, more of my frustration and upset was about my fertility. It wasn't about that baby because that baby wasn't that real to me yet. You know, no offense to anybody. It just, yeah, it wasn't like that for you. Yeah. My, my culture doesn't believe in um, life at conception. It believes life at first breath. So technically neither of my children have really truly been alive yet. Um, Can I ask what you mean by your culture? Just out of curiosity. I'm Romani. Okay. Um, I'm Romani and pagan. Um, yeah. And, and so my, uh, the beliefs I was raised with were very natural. You know, we believe in, uh, in magic, in the nature, in, uh, in the beauty of it all that, that, you know, goodness comes from the good things we do sure. and all evil comes from the evil things we do um and so i try to put as much good into the world so that good things happen yeah okay um but we uh when we lost the the nine weeker um we had the early miscarriage it was hard um, i was definitely frustrated i was definitely upset but my frustration was more, will I ever be able to carry a baby? Am I inhospitable to life was more my concern. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. The, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't aware of um, those specific beliefs. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, was that hard then to, if you don't mind me asking, um, was that hmm. then to navigate the second loss? Cause you kind of just said maybe in your culture that would not even have been considered a child um how how have you processed that well so the harder part of the second loss is um that we had named him so he has a name um he has an urn and so he feels a little bit more real to us sure. um, because we do have ashes we do have um we did get to hold him we did get to name him um there's kind of a silver lining to it in that we feel like the spirit for that baby is still around, that there's a chance that that spirit can still enter our world and still be our baby. Okay. Um, so it would be but, the same baby, you're, you're saying? It, okay. it could be the same spirit, yeah. Um, though I personally don't feel like, like that particular spirit, the one that I felt floating around when I was pregnant with him, yeah. really wants to be in this world. I think a different one wants to come next. Um, he still could change his mind. Spirits are weird like that. Yeah. Would you, would you know, do you think? Yeah, I would know. Okay. Um, I would know in the way he moved. I would know in the way he did things. Um, one of the things that Micah's spirit really did to show us he was a person was um, in his ultrasounds. He, um, he shot us like some little hand signs and he never ever showed his face and so if the next baby were to act like that I might think that that spirit was trying again okay yeah that's thank, I appreciate you sharing that thank you of course yeah everybody believes different things and 
um, you find comfort in what you can. Um, one of the comforts for me is that um, the women in my, my family are very intuitive and, and all of our intuition has told us that this won't happen to us again, that the next baby will be a live baby who will come home and grow up. Oh, yeah. Um, that we will have our, our two living children that we plan to have. Oh, great. That's beautiful. Um, yeah, that's very powerful. Thank you for sharing that. I, I, I find, I find life to be interesting and I find, um, people's journeys to be interesting. And so I appreciate you sharing that. That's one I have not heard before. I'm not sure if our listeners, um, have, but I think, I think with each mama that I've been able to talk to just the different journeys that they've been on are incredible. So thank you. Um, but to, to finish answering your question from earlier, um, in terms of my feelings about the difference between my stillbirth and my miscarriage, um, I, I do prefer usually to, to seek um, companionship or to seek support from other people who had stillbirth and more infant loss than I do miscarriage. Yeah. Because I think the, the big difference of bringing home that urn, of having the purple box of memories, yeah. I think it's just very different than just having a single ultrasound. Sure. Yeah, I can, I can appreciate that. I think it is interesting. And, and I think um, being someone who, being someone who, um, I don't know how to word it. Like, cause I, I don't, I don't find, I don't find my, my understanding to be a religious one specifically. I am religious. Um, but just with the, idea of life at conception um just due you know to the fact of like dna and stuff um i know that within the group that i host you know there are there are um early losses like myself and there are later losses and and the way people talk is different um which is interesting and you know just um sorry one second um just hearing you know, you mentioned, I, I didn't, I did not get that even that first ultrasound. So in some ways, you know, I know people would look at my journey and be like, okay, well, why are you here? Um, I'm not saying that's what you're saying, but I've heard that, you know. Um, no, I, I understand that. And I always try to be very mindful of that because as a psychologist, I know that a loss is a loss. And the worst thing that ever happened to someone is the worst thing that's ever happened to them. It doesn't matter if the worst thing that happened to you is worse than what happened to them. It's not a competition. And I think that's something some people really struggle with. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I wanna be clear that I'm not saying that's what you were saying by any means, um, or that that's what other moms are saying. Um, I know just within this conversation, um, you know, I, I didn't get that ultrasound um, and I didn't hold my baby the same way you did. I didn't hold my baby the same way you did, um, but having to find, find the pieces, you know, as I don't know what your experience was when you miscarried, um, you know, I, I never got to hold, you know, my child in that way. Um, and yet I've heard people refer to even people who've experienced early, um, miscarriage, just, just different ways in how, they um, process like having to collect pieces of their babies in different 
different ways that um, people have, I don't know, I guess, experienced the lack of life within their children, you know? Um, so within, within those journeys and within those experiences, I think we come to appreciate and, and value um, life in different ways. And it sounds like that's kind of what you're saying too, in the sense that, I mean, you had mentioned within faith, maybe there's not that recognition of life. And yet with you and your husband, um, you've kind of been able to discover that in a different way than maybe you had expected or known before. And I, and I think that's powerful. Absolutely. Well, and maybe I'm fortunate in that I didn't have that traumatic. I tried to find pieces of my baby. Sure. What happened with my nine week um, loss was I, uh, I got the positive pregnancy test. I started spotting right away. So I kind of had time to prepare myself that this baby probably wasn't going to make it. Okay. Yeah. That this wasn't a healthy pregnancy. Um, I went in for the ultrasound at eight weeks and they said, Hey, there's a heartbeat. Oh, wow. you, this is good. Once you see a heartbeat, you are less likely to miscarry than if you don't like, don't worry about the bleeding. It's just a subchorionic hemorrhage. You'll be fine. Um, and then it worsened. And um, I was actually at work when it happened. Um, oh, I was doing summer testing for to make some extra money. Cause I was like, oh, I'm gonna have a baby. I need to make extra money. And um, I mean, it really, to me, it, if I passed anything, it really just looked like blood clots or right, right. like a, a heavy period. Yeah. Um, and so I think in my head, I kind of reconciled it as just, this is a heavier period. Mm -hmm. This sucks. Um, but this is something I can, I can move on from. Yeah. And it got more caught up in the, will I ever be able to carry the term? Am I inhospitable to life? That sure. sort of thing. Yeah. The takeaway from having my stillbirth is I carried a baby to term. Yeah. I am hospitable to life. Yeah. Something yeah. terrible and unexpected happened, but it's something that shouldn't ever happen again. Sure. And so I can move forward with more confidence now. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like Micah's journey brought you um, maybe more hope and healing, whereas the first loss was maybe in some ways more detached, but also more empty of, of that hope. Yes, Yeah. absolutely. So did, did losing Micah, did that make you consider your first loss any differently or did it, did it help you grieve or process or understand that first loss differently? I mean, I think it detached me even further from that first loss. Okay, sure. I think, um, I think that first loss felt like such a bigger thing when it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. And then the loss of Micah was bigger. Yeah. And so it became more of a, a hiccup. I think my view of it has become more, more and more detached. So I've gotten further from it. Um, this is actually the, we're actually within the one year anniversary of that loss. That loss happened July 10th of 2021. So this is the week um, that I had that loss. And, um, I'm actually finding a lot of parallels in my life right now. Um, I just started my first postpartum cycle. Um, so I, um, I haven't had a, a period or a menses since April of 2021. So this is my first one yeah. in July of 2022. And the fact that it fell so close to when I had my early miscarriage has kind of given me some hope that, um, that I might conceive again 
and have a baby that's due around the time that Micah was due because that's what happened last time I had the miscarriage and then I conceived in August and had him in April. So it's given me a lot of hope right now. Beautiful. That's very beautiful. Um, I know our listeners can't see the beautiful wall of cranes behind you. I'm excited to hear more about that in the second part of our episode. Um, I want to thank you for coming on and sharing with us a little bit about who you are and about who your son is. Um, before we end this first part um, of this episode, I'd, I'd love to hear where the name Micah came from. Um, is there any purpose in that name or just a name that you like? So my father's name is Michael. Okay. So he's named after my dad. Oh, um, cool. And then his middle name was Arthur, which is um, the um, King Arthur. Oh, wow. Someone who has great adventures. Yeah. And we uh, we wanted to name him after a great hero because we knew he would do great things and have great adventures. Yeah. And you know, we we really do believe his spirit is yeah, is having wonderful adventures and is doing great things and the love and light that he brought into this world the nine months that he was here, yeah. I think, really did make a big difference. Absolutely. I also liked the name Arthur because he was the once and future king, so I can reuse the name and, and you know it could be a sign that, that he's come back that sort of thing yeah that's beautiful um thank you so much for sharing with us jessica i've, I've really valued our time together and i'm excited to hear more about just how micah's spirit lives on and how it will continue to touch the lives of others through some of the um, ministerial work that you're doing so ladies who are joining us today um if you want to hear part two of this episode and hear more about Jessica's journey and Micah's spirit, as well as the work they do together to help other mamas um, and other lost journeys, you can head over to Patreon by clicking the link below and join us there. All right, I'll see you over there, Jessica.